0: Hear me now. All right, I've got a Verizon commercial. All right. So my wife and I have been doing missions work in uh, southern Mexico for the past past 12 years or so. Um, I've uh, I've, yeah, I've worked with uh, Brother Jeff Parks um, for pretty much the entirety of the time, and uh, through Brother Jeff, uh, I've heard a lot about uh, about Pastor Dakota, and it's a it's a privilege to finally get to meet him in person and to have the opportunity to come and share with you guys um, what the Lord has is doing. Um, in southern Mexico and through through Latin America this morning, and to have the opportunity to to open up the Word of God and to, to preach with you all with you all this morning. Let's open up. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to be able to gather together this morning, and to be able to to worship you freely for the opportunity to to open your Word and hear and hear uh, hear your Word exposited. We're so we're so thankful for the for the privilege of being able to do that, Lord. We're mindful of the church around the world this morning that is gathering together and meeting and, and worshiping together as one unified body and all of the all of the different circumstances and challenges faced by those by those around the world, the persecution faced, we pray for them. We pray that you would that you that we pray that you would be glorified and exalted today as we study your word and as we fellowship together. Um, we're so thankful for the work that you're doing through the through this local body of, of believers here in Holt. And for the work that you are carrying out throughout the church around the world, advancing the kingdom, proclaiming the good news of the gospel—the simple message that your Son died and, and has given us new life in him I pray that you would bless the preaching of your Word this morning. That you would uh, that you would work through the and, and, and breathe through the through the through the preaching of your Word that it would be faithfully exposited and that it would be edifying and encouraging to to all of us here. In Christ's name, we pray and ask these things. Amen. All right. So this morning we're going to be in in Second Thessalonians, chapter one. And what I want to what I want to preach on this morning um, is how we as believers can pray for the persecuted church around the world. So as American as American believers, as we as we look at what's going on in the in the work of missions around the world, and we see the persecution and the suffering that um, that our fellow believers encounter, how we can think biblically about how we should be praying for the Lord to work through, through, those, uh, through those circumstances. And even, even as we ourselves in the United States kind of move from a, from a position of, of some privilege and uh, kind of a majority within the culture here, as we begin a, a change and a shift within our culture, and we begin to move towards the margins of society and begin to experience some of the persecution um, that, that will be coming in the days ahead, that believers have experienced throughout church history, how we can how we can think about what God is doing in our own lives through those circumstances, and how we can pray for God to work to be glorified in those circumstances. Um, I want to preach today out of First Thessalonians chapter one, verses eleven and twelve. However, um, let's go ahead and start back up in verse three, and we're going to read down through the end of the chapter um, before we before we get started. Um, If we could, let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. Paul writes, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith, In all of your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and for the glory of His might, when He comes on the day on that day to be glorified in, he, in His saints, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you is believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. As missionaries who work internationally we're constantly asking for believers in the United States to pray for the church around the world. And I want to take a little bit of time this morning with you to unpack what that looks like, what that means when we ask you to pray for the church around the world, especially the church that is suffering under persecution in so many places and context. In the area where we work in Mexico, you don't often think of believers there suffering persecution. However, as I shared in the, I shared over in the, in the fellowship hall this morning, the indigenous communities where we work, the, the churches and the believers suffer under heavy persecution um, by, the, by the, the village and community leaders where they worship and where they interact. And when we have the opportunity to share with the American church the struggles that they face, the economic persecution, the physical persecution at times, that they suffer, and we ask for the American church to pray for them, I think there's often a bit of a, a disconnect in how we think about what we, what we should be praying for for those believers. As Americans, we live in quite a bit of comfort, right? We, we live, globally speaking, in a fairly peaceful environment. We don't like to necessarily suffer. I mean, I don't think that's probably... Common to human condition, right? None of us enjoy suffering; they, they, otherwise, it wouldn't be called suffering. Um, but we, but we don't, we don't tend to be comfortable with the idea of suffering. When it's hot in the summer, we crank up the air conditioning. When it's cold in the winter, we crank up the heat. We like our air, con- you know, our air-conditioned seats and our heated seats in our cars. We like comfort, so it's hard for us to think about believers around the world suffering. And we, and in, and, and we don't, and so I think that it, it, it's difficult to communicate. What we're what we're asking for you to pray for for those believers that are suffering persecution, um, and enduring enduring those hardships. And we I think that often as Americans we fall into we fall into praying the American dream for them right or we fall into praying for just for the, for the persecution to end. When we when we look at the world when we look at those suffering persecution around the world, and we, we want to pray for those people. Um, we, we pray that God would intervene on their behalf, that the persecution would stop, that they would, that they would be free of persecution and suffering so that they could more readily proclaim the good news of the gospel, and that they would have free, a free hand to, to, to worship in their communities. But what we fail to kind of understand or think sometimes is that maybe the persecution that they're suffering or going through is actually the means through which God is working in their lives to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And so we want to conform our way of thinking to the, way of, to, to the message of Scripture. When we think about persecution in our own lives, when we think about hardship and suffering in our own lives, and when we think about the church internationally that suffers persecution and how we ought to be praying for them. Um, when Paul, in the, in, throughout his epistles, when Paul prays for the church, that he, is, that he is working with, especially those suffering persecution, he never is offering just general platitudes. You know, bless their work, pray that, the, pray that, the, you know, that their suffering would, would cease. Anytime that we see Paul praying for the people, or the believers in the churches, he is always praying with theologically focused precision that God would work th- the, through that persecution and suffering for the growth of the believers and the furtherance of the kingdom for their perseverance in the face of that persecution, for their sanctification, through all of the work that is being accomplished by Christ so that Christ might be glorified. We're told as believers, right, that anything that we ask according to God's will will be fulfilled. But what is God's will? What is God doing through our lives, through the suffering in the the church? What is God trying to accomplish? The church in Thessalonica that Paul is writing to here, in, here in, the, in, the two, in, the, in his two epistles is a church that was suffering tremendous levels of, of persecution, both both physical persecution, being put to death, but also economic persecution, being cut off, to, being cut off in the markets and being cut off from the opportunities to, to exist and to buy and sell and trade in their communities. And there was a great deal of discouragement that had crept into the church as they, as they sat and they waited um, for God to move and to work um, in, the midst of, in the midst of this suffering. And when Paul writes to them in, the two book, in his two epistles, he writes two very, very missionally focused eschatological books. The books of the first and Thessalonians are focused on the future second coming of Christ, when Christ would return in judgment and, 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 bring, and set the world aright, when God would rain down his, his judgment on those that were persecuting the church and restore, and restore order and, and bring justice and peace to, to the world. But Paul also is saying, while we're waiting for that, these are the ways in which you should behave and operate and understand what God is doing through the suffering and the persecution that you're enduring. And this is what I'm praying that God will accomplish in your life through that. So he starts out the beginning the beginning of this passage that we that we read. He kind of starts out with that, that general theme. He's telling the church in in Thessalonica that you are suffering persecution. Um, you have you have believed the gospel, and because of the you've believed the gospel because of the work that Christ has done in you. Someday Christ will return. He will pour out his judgment and his wrath on those that are su- those that are persecuting you, and he will he will set all of these things right. But in the meantime while we're waiting for those while we're waiting for him to him to return and to carry those things out he is still working in and through that persecution and that suffering and so Paul in the verses in our verses here in verses 11 to 12 he he offers a prayer for the church in Thessalonica he he's praying for that church that is suffering tremendously asking for God to work through the persecution and suffering to accomplish his the, the, his, his work recognizing that it is through the power and the sovereignty of God that the suffering that the believers were accomplishing and the work of the believers in the midst in the face of that suffering how they were tra- how they were pushing forward and working through their their faith in the face of that persecution would ultimately be transformed to bring glory to Christ through their through their suffering and ultimately bring about what is that of greater good for, for the believers in the church? So he starts in, in these verses here. He says, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says... I'm writing to you, you're suffering tremendous levels of persecution. I'm writing to encourage you that Christ is coming back someday. He's going to come back and bring judgment to those that you've suffered. You will be saved and delivered from that, pers- that, that judgment because of your faith, because of the faith that God has given you. Um, but we, as, we, as, we as, uh, as, as apostles, those that have preached the gospel to you, are, are boasting or taking, taking encouragement in the fact that in the face of this persecution, while you wait for the, re- for the return of Christ, that in steadfastness and faith, you are walking through that persecution, that you are enduring the suffering and, and, and moving forward in faith to act out and to proclaim the gospel um, so that when Christ comes to judge and to avenge those that are persecuting you, you would be found faithful and that Christ would be glorified in you. And Paul, when he prays for them here as they suffer the persecution and await that return of Christ, he prays three very specific things for the church as they walk through that suffering and that persecution and wait the return of Christ. First, Paul says, because of the persecution that you're suffering, I pray that you would be made worthy, that you, in the face of this suffering and persecution, that you would be made worthy of that suffering and persecution. Because who ultimately is being persecuted? Who is, who, is, who is it ultimately that the world hates? It's ultimately Christ that the world is rejecting and hating. Our Master, our Lord and Savior, who the world hates and is persecuting. And we, as believers, found in Christ, as those that are joined to Christ, are suffering the persecution and hatred of the world because we have been chosen by God to receive salvation to be found in the body of Christ. And so Paul prays, he says, I pray that God would make you worthy of this calling, that he would make you worthy. And so we want to think about what does that mean when he says that he wants them to be made worthy? Does that mean that he wants the, he wants the believers to, to work hard and to make themselves worthy? That he wants them to say, they're hating, they're persecuting me, they're persecuting me because they're persecuting Christ, and so I need to be super-duper holy and, and, and sanctified so that Christ... When, when I'm persecuted, I'm worthy of the, of the persecution that I'm receiving because I because I've been I've been a good enough Christian that I that I can be a good example of Christ as I'm persecuted. No, Paul is saying that when when we are when we are when we come to Christ and we are we are in Christ, that he, he prays that we would be made worthy of the of the suffering and the persecution that we're suffering, because Christ works within us. To transform us, to conform us to His image, and that through the power of Christ we are transformed and reflect Christ and bear fruit so that when the world persecutes us, they're not persecuting us in our efforts, but they're persecuting Christ's work in us. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10. Paul writes, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good word, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, when Paul says that we are to be made worthy, he means that he wants us to be bearing fruit. That he wants us to be producing the, 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 the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work of God within our lives. When we look at the prayer of Paul here in 1 Thessalonians 11-12, to 12, he is very clear at the end of the prayer that everything that is being done is being done according to the grace of God through our Lord Jesus. That everything that is being accomplished from our salvation, from our, our justification, Our sanctification is all being done through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we pray for those that are suffering persecution, that as they endure faithfully that persecution, that God would work in their hearts to transform their lives, to conform them to the the image of Christ, so that they may bear fruit in the face of the persecution, and that they might better reflect the glory of Christ that is operating in their lives. And if you think about it, that is a very unnatural response. When we are persecuted, when we suffer, our response is not to bear the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Our response is to take into our own hands what Christ is promising to do earlier in 1 Thessalonians. We pray that God, we want to, we want to bring the Holy Sword of judgment on those that are, that are persecuting us. We want to see our enemies crushed and destroyed. We want to see all of the persecution stopping But Paul says, that's coming. That's going to end. All of the suffering of this world is going to come to an end someday. But that's not today. In this world, we are going to endure persecution and suffering. And our prayer is not that it will end. Our prayer is that it will end someday when Christ returns and sets things right. But our prayer is that as we mediate, as we walk through that suffering, that we would not respond in discouragement, in anger, in frustration, in in, in hatred for our enemies but that we would be transformed, that we would be made worthy, that God would make us worthy, that Christ would make us worthy of participating in the suffering that he himself endured on the cross, that we would be made worthy through the work of the Spirit in our lives that produces fruit to participate in the joyful suffering of Christ as the world persecutes him through his, through his church. Um, but it's very, very important to note the, the, the theme, the, 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 uh, the, the thrust of what Paul is saying is not that the church would become worthy, but that rather that Christ would make the church worthy, that we would be transformed through the grace of Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to be made worthy of the persecution that we are suffering, rather than praying that person in the cu- persecution and the suffering would, would end. And then he prays that as they, as they are made worthy, as they tra- are conformed to the image of Christ, that the church would resolve, or, re- or to do good works. So the church, those suffering persecution, in the face of the persecution and suffering, as they're conformed to the wo- to the <clears throat> as they're conformed to the power uh, to to the, to the image of Christ, that they would resolve to walk forward in faith, to exercise that 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 fruit, to, to produce that fruit in the world. So that Christ might be glorified. It's important to think about what Paul is addressing here in the context of the church at Thessalonica. Where, if we remember back to the first epistle, Paul writes to the church and he says, If a man shall not work, neither should he eat, right? In 1 Thessalonians. Why did he say that? Because as the church suffered persecution in Thessalonica, there was a group or a movement that, that chafed under that persecution and said, we're enduring hardship and suffering and persecution. We can't work. We can't participate in the market. So what we're going to do is just retreat into the walls of the church. We're not going to work anymore. We're just going to let the wealthy individuals in the church that were the patrons of the church in, in Thessalonica provide for our physical needs, and we're going to sit around and we're going to pray and we're going to wait for Jesus to come back and and put and, and, and avenge us against those that are persecuting us. And so they were wanting to retreat within the, within the confines of the church and wait for the return of Christ to come, which they expected to imminently happen, to bring judgment to those that were persecuting them, and restore uh, and and bring about the, the kingdom of God. And Paul writes to them and he says, no, in the face of persecution, as you're conformed to the image of Christ, you should resolve to walk forward in faith and endure happily, gladly that persecution, to resolve to go out and to love your neighbor, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to faithfully carry out the work of ministry in spite of the suffering and the persecution, or even because of the suffering and persecution, because that is how Christ will be glorified. And so rather than just waiting for Christ to act, Paul prays that they would endure the persecution, they would be conformed to the image of Christ, and that they would resolve to go out and to to intentionally minister to and love those that were persecuting them so that Christ might be glorified. He says that he that he prays that God would, that they would be that they would resolve um, that, God, that God would resolve every desire or every good uh, every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So it calls to mind for us um, Ephesians chapter two, right? Ephesians chapter two. We always quote Ephesians 2.8 and nine, for by grace are you saved through faith, right? But where does that where does that end? Go on to verse 10, and he says that we're saved by grace through faith, so that we can do what? so that we can go out and perform the good works that Christ has done, prepared for us to walk in. That we would recognize that the good works that we resolve to do, that we want to do, are not our own good works, but that those resolutions in our heart to go and to love our neighbors and proclaim the gospel and to live good and holy lives in the face of persecution are not something that we are doing out of our own goodness or our own power, but that is actually evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives evidence of the, of, the, of the work that Christ has done in our hearts and the work that he has given us. So we pray that the church, in the, the, the persecuted church would be, <clears throat> excuse me, we pray that the persecuted church would endure the suffering that they are going through, um, that, they would, that they would do it in a way that glorifies Christ. We pray that they, and we pray that they would resolve to, to continue to do the work of ministry that they are called to do. That they would faithfully live out Christian lives, going out and proclaiming the good news of the gospel to their neighbors and to their family and to their friends, to live holy lives, even though those actions and those works will bring about persecution and suffering in their lives. That the Holy Spirit would transform them and give them those that the, the desire, and that they, He would join His His power to those desires and those resolutions to carry out and trans, to the work of the gospel to bring about. Conversion of, of of those that, of, 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 of con- they bring about conversion to bring about the the proclamation of the gospel in unreached communities, and that as that's happening, that that would bring glory to Christ, because that is not that is not the natural response to those that are suffering and those that are enduring persecution, to love their enemies, to continue to proclaim the gospel, to pay with patience and 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 love. And so as we as we pray for and partner with the with the persecuted church around the world, rather than just praying for ease and comfort and peace for them, we're praying that God would strengthen their heart, that he would give them resolve to, pour, to move forward in faith and live lives of of action, of proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those that are persecuting and, and hating them. Um, ultimately, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Ultimately, while we are while we are proclaiming the good news of the gospel and asking that God would would, would join and empower the resolutions and the desires uh, the, that we have in our hearts, we recognize that those desires are the desires of Christ that He has given us. And when we pray for God to carry those out, what we're actually desiring is that God, Christ, would be glorified as we... As we proclaim the gospel and live our Christian lives out, rather than, than ourselves being glorified, that we would have the endurance to fight the good fight. Thinking of the of the of the of the race language that Paul uses. Uh, that, that as we move forward and fight the good fight in our lives and we and we and we seek to move forward in our Christian lives, that Christ would be glorified through the actions that we're carrying out rather than ourselves, rather than seeing it as something that we are enduring, enduring in our own in our own power. And finally, Paul concludes at the end of his prayer by circling back to that point, praying that Christ would be glorified. He says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. Christ, when we resolve, when we, when we, act, when we choose to endure, willingly endure suffering and persecution, we are glorified, we know that Christ transforms us through that persecution and suffering to his image. And that that transformation, that action, produces or gives to us good works, which we can then carry out, that we can resolve to to perform in the world, so that people can look at us suffering in our persecution and can see the work of Christ in our lives as we as we willingly, as we as we joyfully endure persecution and and carry forward the work of the gospel, and that as that is as that is happening, Christ would be the one that is exalted and that is glorified through that persecution and through that suffering. So often, we um, were just having this conversation before service. We see people that are enduring suffering and persecution around the world, and we we pray for it to stop. Or if they willfully go forward and, and accept the persecution by proclaiming the good news of the gospel, we think, why were they? Why were they so vocal about it? Why didn't they keep? Why didn't they keep their mouth shut? Why didn't they? Why weren't they more careful to avoid the persecution? Why were they willing to accept the the, the suffering that came? from proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And Paul says here that when we move forward and endure and accept the suffering and the persecution, that it is not a waste. The suffering and the persecution that we are enduring and the hardships that we're suffering are not a waste, but that Christ is actually glorified in that pain, in that suffering, in that persecution. He will be glorified by that persecution stopping someday. But at present, Christ is glorified by the suffering of believers. Christ is glorified when we joyfully endure suffering and participate in the suffering of Christ. We think about um, we think about in Colossians where where Paul writes about the gospel being stored in jars of clay that are broken that can be that can be smashed. Thinking of the story of Gideon, so that the world, so that the light of the gospel might be proclaimed. We as believers exist for the express purpose of being broken vessels. That can suffer and endure persecution and be broken, so that the good news, the light of the gospel, can be proclaimed forth for the for the world to see. And so we pray for the persecuted church, not that their suffering would end, but that they would joyfully endure the persecution. That they would that they would that as they endure that persecution, that they would be transformed into the image of Christ. That they would bear fruit. That that fruit would be carried out in actions in the world, proclamation of the gospel. Um, holy Christian lives that other people can observe and see and think, how are you living like that in the face of persecution? How are you suffering like that with joy? And so that they might be pointed to the one who is ultimately responsible for it. The one who is ultimately allowing them to joyfully accept and walk through the suffering and the persecution. That Christ might be glorified. And ultimately, so that we might be glorified in Him. Because the reality is that we as believers exist in Christ Christ in us and us in Christ and so when Christ is glorified when Christ is seen and exalted in the world we can be we can we take comfort in knowing that we will be saved from the final judgment that is coming in the last day when Christ comes and judges the world that we will for all the suffering and persecution that we have endured that we can take we can boast in Paul's words or we can take joy and comfort in knowing that someday We will be vindicated, that we will exist for eternity future with Christ, joined with Christ in this light, temporary suffering and affliction that we're enduring now for the glory of Christ is nothing in compared to what we what we what awaits for us and what we already experience in, in our in our lives, in our lives today through through Christ. So what I would encourage you as believers in the church in America today, as we enter, as we do, we begin to kind of shift towards a marginalized uh, the margins of society and think about the ways that we, that we now suffer, very, very light levels of persecution, but that could in the future suffer much more. And as we look around the world and we see those that are suffering, don't pray just that persecution and suffering would end and that the suffering that the church will be delivered from the pain and the hardships that we walk through on a daily basis. Don't waste the suffering and the persecution that the church endures. Don't waste the suffering and the persecution that you endure in your life. Realize that every moment of suffering, of pain, of persecution that we walk through and endure in our lives is an opportunity to be transformed in the pressure cooker of persecution to the image of Christ, to have the good the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit work in our hearts and lives to produce fruit that could never be produced from our own flesh, that could only come from the work of the power of the Spirit in our lives, and that 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 fruit would would those, that, that would 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 multiply as we go forward and willingly endure suffering and persecution by resolving to do kingdom work in the world, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to live holy lives and joyfully accept the persecution, and most of all, pray that the persecution and the hardships and the suffering would glorify Christ, that Christ would be magnified and exalted through the suffering of the believers, and that the believers would recognize that their ultimate joy, their ultimate peace is found in Christ, in their identity of who they are in Christ as they endure that suffering and that persecution. Let's take some time to close in prayer and to pray for believers around the world. We, we do live, at the moment, in very, very peaceful times in the United States. And I'll tell you what, I'm not convinced that it's good for our health as a, as a church. We as believers in the United States, so with, with the ease and the comfort that we have had for, for a very long period of time, that has caused us to miss out on opportunities that Paul is talking about here in, here to, when he's writing to the church in Thessalonica missing opportunities to joyfully endure suffering and persecution and for the Spirit to work through that, that persecution to transform our lives and hearts to conform us to the image of Christ. So pray. let's take a moment to pray for the, for the church around the world, to pray for the work of, our, of, of the Spirit in, the, in their suffering and persecution that they're enduring, but also in our lives, through the suffering and the persecution that we endure in our own ways that we would embrace rather than seek to escape that, that suffering, because we joyfully participate in the suffering that Christ has chosen to see fit to allow us to participate in as he endured suffering and persecution. We're so thankful for the opportunity that you have given us, that you have chosen us as unworthy as we are, that you have chosen to give to us sonship through Christ, that you have chosen to, to, conform, uh, to transform us, to receive the gift of salvation, to participate in the sufferings of your Son, to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that you have seen worthy to allow us to suffer, I pray that you would not allow us to waste the hardships and the persecution that you've seen fit to allow us to, to participate in, but that you would transform us, that you would that you would allow us to grow, to be conformed to your image, and that we would better reflect through that persecution, through that suffering, the love of Christ, the fruit that you have produced in us through the Spirit. We pray for the church as it suffers around the world. We pray that you would encourage the hearts and the minds of believers That you would that you would walk with them through the hardships. Persecution is hard and it hurts and it's difficult. We pray that you would comfort the hearts of those that walk through the pain and the difficulties and the loss. But that you would allow them to understand that you are working through that, that you will one day judge. But as they walk through that persecution, that they would joyfully understand that you are conforming to their image, to your image, that you are allowing them to serve as vessels proclaiming the good news of the gospel as they reflect your glory and image on earth. I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to pray effectively for the church around the world, that we would pray with precision that you would be glorified through the suffering rather than simply praying for it to cease. We ask that you would be with the church here and around the world as we go forth this week, that we would be worthy vessels proclaiming the good news of the gospel loving those that hate us and persecute us. In Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen.